Good day, beautiful podcast family. I hope that wherever you are on this planet, you're doing amazing, and I'm sending my prayers your way, wishing you, your family, your friends, and everybody you love all the best. We've got an absolutely outstanding episode of the show for you today. We have John Henry Parker on, and we are talking about being the dawn in the darkness. This is an absolutely phenomenal show. John's background is very fascinating. His books are incredible, and we dive into a lot of very important topics in the show. So we talk about the purpose of challenging experiences, the concept of ease and growth in life, surrendering to the moment. We talk about the uh, work of Maxwell Maltz in his book, Psycho-Cybernetics. We talk about identifying personal struggles and negative emotions, finding meaning and purpose in life, the simple techniques for personal development, overcoming trauma, dealing with a- adversity, uh, the gift of a giving culture, and so much more. This is an absolutely phenomenal episode. I know that you're going to enjoy it. And if you do, please share it far and wide uh, consider leaving a review on itunes and if you want become a member at mattbelair.com to support the show like on patreon and you'll get member benefits like exclusive content access to the soul compass course uh, training guided meditations and a bunch of other things then you can do so for free or by donation if you want to work with me and you are really sincere in wanting to create an authentic heart said heart led life just reach out matt at zenathlete.com where we help you really design your your life path, your life purpose. We get very clear on that, create a structured roadmap, and then all add all the tools of spirituality and peak performance to help you accelerate your growth in that direction that's inspired by you. So if that sounds interesting, please reach out. And if you want me to do any training or support for staff on health, wellness, mindset, peak performance, just hit me up. I'm happy to do a training for you and your staff as well. So that's it. Uh, let's. Oh, the best way to support the show, as always, is to do three kind acts. So now let's get into a state of peace and coherence before we dive in wherever you are in the world just stop what you're doing take in a deep breath in through your nose hold that breath and let it out slowly filling every cell muscle and fiber of your being with joy peace contentment enthusiasm faith courage optimism and get ready to enjoy this incredible episode with john henry parker hello and welcome to the master mind body and spirit show I'm your host, Matt Belair. Today's guest is a behavioral assessment analyst and a writer of personal, transformational, and spiritual development work. He is a former Marine, and his father was a former Marine, Korean War combat veteran, and Air Force reconnaissance photographer in Vietnam. He has a passion for supporting and working with transitioning veterans and their families inspired by the memory of his son, Danny. He is the author of the book, Be the Dawn in the Darkness, The Relentless Pursuit of Becoming Who We Were Meant to Be. Welcome to the show, John Henry Parker. Good to be here and looking forward to it. I'm excited that we got in. We had a little technical difficulty, so hopefully the internet's going to hold out. We're having a little bit of wildfires in Alberta and BC, but uh, we had a great chat to start with. Um, my good friend Lance, who has his own amazing podcast, sent you over, said you're a phenomenal guest, and I've been enjoying you know, looking at your work a little bit that I have, but I would love for you to just start us off with a little bit about your background, how you got into the work you're doing today, and uh, yeah, just let us know. Well, my background is... Um... A lot of childhood trauma, a lot of uh, a lot of trauma growing up in a in a really bad neighborhood. Um, went in the military and uh, had some more, you know, some bad things happen there. And uh, 
you know, really had a hard upbringing. And I was fortunate enough to be introduced to. Well, my back. Uh, I was fortunate to be, be able to be introduced to somebody who introduced me to personal development as a means of recovery. Cause I, I wasn't going to go to counseling, you know, in the military, they have a lot of programs for counseling, but there's a real reluctance to ask for help. And so that was my introduction into a way of learning about myself to where I could learn and grow at my own pace. And I was really attracted to audiobooks because I, I had a difficult time reading growing up. And so I just consume hundreds and hundreds, probably thousands of audiobooks. And um, and then I made my way into the personal development industry, actually, where I went to work for Tony Robbins for a couple of years, two and a half years, and his first mentor, Jim Rohn. I got to work with Jim for a year or two. And uh, just a lot of people in the personal development field in the late 80s and 90s. And then from there, uh, I became a behavioral assessment analyst because I, I came across a, a really super straightforward communication survey that was used. You know, the research was back in World War II where they were trying to separate who should go to bomber school versus fighter school. And so it kind of tactical to practical, and I really gravitated towards the results that it gave me, which pretty much just said, I need to be in control and I hate to be controlled. And then right there in that double-edged sword, in between, there's a lot of tension, and I carried that with me. And I had a lot of rage. I had a lot of anger, a lot of rage, and a lot of retribution. So it took a long time to, to be able to work through all that. So my I write about real visceral learning. Like it's not a personal development book. I'm not here to teach anybody because I I say it a lot. You know, the teachers fall from the pedestals we put them on. So I'm not here to teach anybody anything. I'm living my life, you know, and I get triggered just like everybody else and I recover more quickly. And uh, I finally found joy in my life at 52 after a lifetime of hardship. And um so I write about transformation and about our potential and about who we're becoming. And you're not, you may have had bad experiences, but that doesn't define who you really are. Wow. Well, that's an amazing summary. And there's so much there, like just the idea of finding joy at 52. And I feel like I have joyous moments. And as I get older, I find that I might be getting grumpier. <laughs> so, you know, like I look at my daughter and she's <laughs> flashing in a puddle and I'm like, if I can be as happy about anything in the world as she is about finding a new puddle and a new puddle each and every moment, you know, I've really nailed it. I figured something out. So I'd love for you to maybe share a little bit about the wisdom learned along the way, like what had to happen to get from maybe despair, trauma, and all the negative emotions to move all the way over to happiness? Well, I was fortunate enough to be provisioned early on in my early childhood by a great aunt who um, my family and my mom said are all Canadian, and she was a really incredible inspiration to our whole family. And she was a war correspondent during the Nazi invasion of Paris, uh, she wrote a book about it. She was pro she was part of the evacuation out of Paris to Bordeaux so they can catch ships over to England. You know, so she was the only Canadian war correspondent on the continent, and so she was fortunate enough to be a, get a front row seat into 
a lot of horrific things and a lot of incredible experiences. And for a single woman in those days, they didn't travel alone, and they certainly didn't find themselves in the middle of a war zone as a war correspondent. So long story short, she wrote a book about it. She There was a documentary made about her life, and she worked at the French embassy in Ottawa for 30 years. So she's a really sophisticated diplomat. And she used to come down to Phoenix where I was raised and she used to get out of the Ottawa winters and she would come live with us for a couple of months a year for like five, five, six years straight. And, you know, I was raised in a household where my father was a combat vet from Korea and Vietnam. And he was a raging alcoholic, extremely violent. Like he should have gone to prison period. You know, that's the only way to look at it. And so I was saved by those couple of months a year where she would come down and answer your question, she provisioned me to save my own life. She talked to me about Joseph Campbell's hero's journey in that I was meant to do something extraordinary with my life. And I believed her because she said it like she had that she could see the future. She knew who I was. And I wasn't, I was a scared little kid who's just had a really bad um, life, but I also saw the possibility of somehow she saw my future and there's got to be something more to this. And she provisioned me early on for my hero's journey and by some of the little things that she shared with me. And like, I was always a really curious person. She said, pay attention to the messengers that you bump into seemingly by chance, because most often they're the ones that are here to teach you the most. So be curious. Something something happens you don't understand, be curious. You're going to bump into somebody that you need to meet. So I I was raised with this curiosity. You know, while I was being traumatized, I mean, I wasn't bullied. I was terrorized by groups of guys, you know, getting beat up by groups of guys my whole childhood and teenage years, you know. And, you know, we talked a little bit before the show here. My wife, my my great aunt, she provisioned me for the journey ahead by telling me that she'd studied all the major religions of the world, and she found it found something fundamental in each of them. If you take away all the extremism, that God is love is a foundational principle. It's a foundation foundational faith, a belief of goodness in every in every religion. And she said, you don't have to get hung up on religion, but if you find one that you really love and devote yourself to, that's great. But if you'll just understand that God is love, you can get along with virtually anyone from any culture, from any faith. She said, do you believe that God is love? And I said, no, I I can't. Like it may be true for you, but it's not true for me because if God is love, why does my father hurt me? Like, why do these kids chase me? Why, why are these bad things happening? And so she said that someday you're going to find your purpose and you're going to discover that God is love for you. And it's going to take some time. So that these are just a couple of the nuggets that I'll share. And I'll, as we go back through, I'll probably mention more of them. But this one fundamental belief that God is love, it must be true because she said it, you know, and, um, and I can't tell you how many traumatic, violent situations I've been in my life where I ask myself over and over, like just before the moment of impact, when that shit's just going down, I'm like, if God is love, why is this happening to me? 
And I asked myself that question probably hundreds and hundreds of times, you know, and I never figured out the answer to it until I was 52. That's the, that's the relentless pursuit. That's why I named the book what I did. You know, Be the Dawn in the Darkness is a, an ethos that Glad gave to me. Like, I'm your dawn in the darkness. Sometimes the only thing you have is the certainty that the sun is going to rise. No matter how bad it is, wait till sunrise. It'll come. You know, and uh, and the relentless pursuit of becoming who we're meant to be is it's the definition of never giving up and focusing on who you're becoming. So it's been a it's been a major journey, but I had some help from a, a matriarch. And I don't think there's a lot of men that are writing books about the female, the powerful female influences that were healthy, that had great character, that were influencing them on how to be a better young man and, and how to live a life. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you brought up again a lot there, and I just I have to know the answer. I can't wait until you're going to share later. You know, I feel like when, before we began, that was been one of my major questions going through life is, you know, if there is a God, why is there so much pain? Why is there so much suffering? Why is there starvation, human trafficking, atrocities that you just can't even understand, right? And in your situation, you're experiencing it directly, right, over and over again, and you're wondering, well, why did you make me, if there's a God, why did you make me just to suffer? And I'd love to know how you came to a conclusion or or an epiphany on, on that idea of why you had to go through all that. And, and if that leads out to why other people may suffer and why they're suffering in the world, if it's relevant. Well, I got to tell you, man, I can speak for myself and say that um, I didn't know the reason for my suffering, but when I found out it made so much sense and it happened in a heartbeat. Uh, so I went through a plant medicine, a, a group of plant medicine journeys, like 19 ayahuasca journeys, probably a hundred other journeys, mostly with combat vets. I love supporting men in men's work. It's honest. You know, you can't unhear some of the stuff we say if you're a, if you're a spouse or a mother. It's just, they're not designed to hold this stuff. So, um, so I started doing some, um, some ayahuasca journeys and the first one I did cracked me open unexpectedly. And after this kind of violent ascension into the clouds, I hit this smooth spot. And it was really crazy because <clears throat> I felt all these beings, these energetic beings around, but there was no, they weren't bodies. They were just like these pieces of, these round pieces of energy that are just like, they're just oscillating energy. Is really pure and clean. I didn't feel threatened. Felt very safe. And then I came across myself suffering in a ball, and it wasn't me. I was observing me. And in that moment, I I found something that changed my life forever, which was the absence of conflict, not even the possibility of violence or conflict or betrayal or vengeance or retribution like re retribution is far beyond rage you know there's more to that conversation but what what i found was this place of it was soul retrieval i was able to 
tether myself into this place where it's not even the possibility of trauma, but you know, it's just, it was just such a peaceful place. And I, and it was real because it was mine. Okay. It wasn't just tripping off on some LSD trip or something, man. This is really deeply spiritual, super conscious experience. And so I kept going back and I kept on this finding this powerful spot and just tethering myself in it. So I bring that back to my waking hours. And I found that God is love. I found that joy. I found the joy that I was looking for. Like, I'm okay. Like, I know, I know for really, really well, I came into this world just like you did, a clean hard drive. And then all this shit happened. And then to be able to find that and to be able to just really embody that and bring that back into your waking hours, you know, that was life-changing for me. And what I always, I was also given a message that for all the suffering I had in my life, it was a lot of it was just taken away. It just evaporated because I found my purpose. And my purpose is to help others. But what I really discovered that was most life-changing was that the reason for all my suffering was so I could be given the gift of empathy for the pain of others. Now that, that was a big moment because now there was a purpose for my suffering. And, uh, you know, I naturally, I naturally work with men. So my work is about men's work. My writing is about men's work, but it's also for the women who desperately want to understand the men they care about. Mothers, grandmothers, wives, spouses, girlfriends, daughters, you know, but because of this strong matriarch in my life, messaging me and just throughout my life until I was in my 40s when she passed away, I just I just give her all the credit. It's really a book about a powerful matriarch and who she is in this whole story. Like we, the world needs more Gladys. That's the kind of the message, you know, and I was a beneficiary of, of these visits that she would have. So I found I found that what she was telling me as a young boy was absolutely true. And so for me, I I, I wasn't going to go to counseling. Personal development was my thing. I spent my, my 13 years in the field of personal development because I didn't want to just learn it. I wanted to master master it. I wanted to immerse myself working with thought leaders. And I had to fake it, man. I got out of the Marine Corps and I had a very small compartment of emotions. I was allowed I would allow myself to experience, period, at a very small vocabulary, mostly profanity, okay? And um, I was angry. I had a rage problem, you know? And so, so I really didn't want to go to counseling. But after I did the plant medicine journeys, I started unpacking a lot of stuff and unbur unburdening myself of all these parts of me that got wounded and tortured and suffered you know, my whole life, I was able to start making sense of it because I was getting whole. I was getting complete. So I started noticing that parts of me are still really fucked up, but that doesn't define who I am. If it defines that there's a part of me that needs some help, it needs to, it needs to be cared for. Like there's a part of me that said, sit down and shut up. You can't handle this, but I can. And so I gave license to that beast to come out 
you know, and that part of my ego doesn't want to be killed, doesn't want to be messed with. And anytime I tried to go in to take over, it would smack me down, man. It would just show me who's boss. And so there's another way to go about it. And so I, I discovered through a lot of training, a lot of certifications, you know, a thing called internal family systems, which is all about parts that are unresolved and giving it a voice, you know, and really tapping into what does it want and what does it need without being threatened. And when you integrate that part into the whole, it collapses the boundaries of the part and it no longer needs to express itself in really destructive ways. So my work has been about integration and uh, I could go on, man. I'll give you a space to to ask some questions or comment. <laughs> oh, well, I, I love all that. And it reminded me of this experience I had on an ayahuasca journey. There was a guy that came and at the end of the night, people would um, comment on the experience. And this is a big guy with tattoos. And he was like, it was ruthless, terrible, awful. And he came back the next day. And if ayahuasca is ruthless, is the last <laughs> thing you want to do again. And so next day, he's like, ruthless, terrible, awful. We're like, oh my goodness, so who is this guy? Their day, uh, he has his breakthrough. And uh, he said it was beautiful and all these things and had a lot of healing and a lot of insights. And find out he turned, he was a Hell's Angels muscle, was Hell's Angel muscle. So he did a lot of bad stuff. And that's what he's processing. And now what he's doing is he's helping people leave gangs. So those experiences, and, and maybe he was like, I met another guy at Burning Man as well who kind of had a profound awakening and he was, he grew up in a gang and did a lot of bad stuff and was in the military. And, and he was like processing, you know, he's like, like, how do I move forward? You know, like I have all this guilt and I, I did all this stuff and I kind of drew a line on the sand for him. And I said, look, this is when you were kind of like asleep. This is when you have like all these unconscious um, influences, you know, these traumas from the world. You're not, you don't have the awareness that you have now. It's, it's totally different. The way that you see things is night and day. And so now you got to look at what are the gifts from those hard experiences, you know, learn how to make peace with it yourself and how you're going to grow from it. But now, you know, you can't go back to that. It's a totally different lens. There's no way you can go back to that because you're going to get a consequence that's a million times more because you have this new insight, right? Um, so it just shows that sometimes we need to go through these very challenging experiences. And then the gift of it is further down the line, even though they might be hard and might be uncomfortable, which they most likely are if you don't want them, um, but they can serve a person, a purpose if you can endure. And that's one concept I don't think is, is touched a lot on. And, and this gets into, you know, people who think about committing suicide or, you know, they want to give up or even in success in entrepreneurship or sport, it's the people who just never give up, who endure. And then it's like, oh, that's why I went through all that stuff. You know what I mean? It's like, that's why. And I have all this experience and trial and error to get to this place. Um, but it's not easy. And especially when it gets to emotional uh, and traumatic events, it's like to, to make peace with that and continue on is a very challenging thing. And in your book, you talk about, um, where is it like finding peace and ease or e ease and growth? And I like one saying my friend used to say is just like ease and grace. And if we can move through our life like that, I have this imagination of being a Zen monk and being enlightened and moving through with peace and ease and grace, which 
never happens. Like maybe there's like a, a couple of moments of it, but I would love, I love that idea. I love being, you know, if I could surrender to everything, if I could be in the moment, if I could have complete faith, if I could be open-hearted with everything, if I could trust that everything was going to work out, if I could have congruence of thought, of mind, of emotion, of intent, all of that would be great. But I'd love for you to speak on any of those ideas, but also what you write about in the book about ease and growth, because I feel like that would be a beautiful gift for anybody to have a bit more ease in their life. Oh, yeah. You know, as I'm talking to you, I I, I want to I want to say that what I got out of being in the personal development field, working with best-selling authors and working with just really great thought leaders is um, I, I only wish people would give credit to where they learn things. Okay. And so what I really try to do is give credit to the thought leaders and the, and the people that have helped me along the way. My book is a synthesis of my life, my stories, right? But a bunch of the chapters are really depicting my experience of going through the ayahuasca experiences and the plant medicine experiences, going through mindfulness and non-duality trainings where I'm literally the person in the middle of 500 people saying, I want to understand non-duality, but I suffer from trauma. I work with combat veterans and it's always waking me up in the middle of the night. You know, it's always telling me to look out. It's hijacking precious moments and I don't know how to turn it off. Please help me understand non-duality. Please help me understand mindfulness. You know, and, and it's a whole part of the learning experience that I had to go through, you know, and um, for, for me, I think finding ease and growth for me was getting out of the need to be in control and understanding that I have a severe need to not be controlled. That's a double-edged sword, and right in the middle is tension, okay? And um, it's like dynamic tension is what is in the strings of a Stradivarius that makes it play beautiful music. It's necessary. Dynamic tension, or when you're teaming with people or working with people on a project or whatever, there's a level of productive, synergistic, dynamic tension. Destructive tension is what you have in between your ears and the negative things you're saying about yourself. So I started investigating tools so I could better understand myself. And this is all doc, you know, this is all chapters. I'm not saying here, this is how you need to live your life. I'm saying this is what I went through. Like visceral storytelling is, is the key, I think, to putting people in an experience and having them go through something. Because what I found was giving me the most ease was self-awareness. Like awareness precedes intention, intention precedes attraction. Like we all have, you know, heard of probably the secret, you know, the law of attraction and all this stuff. But if you're just bouncing around all the time, you're attracting whatever's coming your way. Okay. But if you can set an intention, now you have an intentional attraction. But if you don't have awareness, you really can't set a clean intention. So that's really what I started focusing on is like, how do I, how do I kind of turn off this chaos, but how do I understand what I'm up against? 
So I'll give you a couple of tools that anybody can find. Okay. Uh, one is called the Adver Ad Adverse Childhood Experiences Scale, the ACE scale. And they're, they're all over the internet. I think there's a website called truesage.com. It's free. Okay. You take these 10 questions about childhood trauma and it gives you a score of how many you said yes to and gives you a printout. And then there's all kinds of research, worldwide research for decades about what are the implications if you have a score of a four out of 10? Well, the, the chances for hypertension, long-term diabetes, suicide ideation, depression, substance abuse, you know, alcoholism, drug addiction. Um, there's just so many risk factors that are starting to grow, okay, that you need to pay attention to. If you have a six out of 10, then those risk factors, they grow exponentially, but statistically it'll take 20 years off your lifetime, lifetime because of the unresolved trauma. And so on a, on, out of 10 questions, I got a score of 10. So immediately that freaked me out, man, because now it's about getting years back in my life because I already knew I had a hard life. I already knew that I wasn't aware for the first 40 years of my life and I was burning out my core and I was suffering greatly. I was burning through relationships, didn't understand myself. Okay. But that was a really big epiphany when I understood my ACE score. Now I had a mission. I had a quest. Like, how can I, how can I open up? How can I shine a conscious light inside of myself and see what's closed? Like shadow work, like shining a conscious light into my, into my life was about, about darkness. There was no light whatsoever. It was dark. But the more I began to work on myself and listen to audiobooks and go to retreats, go to certifications, went on a vision quest in the Rockies outside of Calgary with a 73-year-old Cree woman for four days and four nights with no food, no water, no journaling, no talking, no fire. And you just sit with yourself. And I had a massive vision about three days in, like a real lucid, life-changing set of realizations. So I would say personal development is definitely the path. The more you're shut down, like I'm in my cave, it's cold, it's wet, it's dark, but I made it and I'm fine. Like I know how to live there. <laughs> but it doesn't make very many people happy around you. You know, so these are little little nuggets that I would share. Like I met somebody just before I got out of the Marine Corps who said, you're going to get out of the military and the world doesn't need another hard-ass Marine who could parachute out of helicopters at night, carry big heavy packs, you know, put a round down range. You know, you need to start focusing on who you're becoming. You need to start focusing on who you're becoming, you know, um, because the world is exactly the same, but you've changed. So the best advice, I only talked to this guy for five minutes, probably the best advice I've ever had. He said, um, if I were you, I'd go down to the closest bookstore and I'd look, I'd go to the self-help section, which I'd never heard of before. He said, not the psychology section. Go to the self-help section and go through every spine and every book and just pick out a stack of books that grab your attention. I'm not going to tell you what to buy. And then pick three. 
so I went through this exercise and uh, the, fir- the first book was Think and Grow Rich by Schwartz. I just thought, I thought the title was cool. I thought that's of course what I want, right? Um, like Magic of Thinking Big by Schwartz. The second one was Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And the third one was by a guy named Maxwell Maltz. It was a book called Psycho-Cybernetics. And I thought that was just the weirdest title. So I just had to look through the, the summary. And it's like, this guy's a plastic surgeon who would make people beautiful. But yet, because of their self-concept, they couldn't see it. And that was me. Like, I had an impeccable uniform. I was fit. I was tan. I was, I was tough in a lot of ways. But I was broken inside. And my, it's called internal cohesion. The image that, that I projected to the outside world did not match my internal reality. I had a lack of internal cohesion. You know, so I would say if somebody's listening to this, if you suffer from trauma or you're trying to figure out how to pull your life together, um, go to the self-help section of Amazon and just try and experiment. Uh, experiment. And just pick two or three books or audio books that jump off the shelf. Don't go to the psychology section. Just go to the self-help and start looking at titles and start listening to audio samples and really kind of getting a sense. And pretty soon you'll find something that catches your attention. And then turn your car into a classroom. Turn your workouts into a classroom. You know, this is life-changing because each realization builds upon the next. And I tell you, within... 30 days, you'll be a whole different person, you know? And I'll share two things with you that got me on this path big time. There's a guy named Jim Rohn, who was Tony Robbins' first mentor. And he is a, he's just a really incredible philosopher of life. And he has a bunch of audio books that are, he passed away, but he, but uh, take charge of your life, success strategies, just Google Jim Rohn. Watch five minutes and you'll be in love with this guy. Like, why didn't my dad talk to me like this? Kind of insights. And I was driving down the road one day listening to Jim Rohn. And I had to pull over and write this quote down. Because I had never thought about the peer pressure and and the need for acceptance that got me in so much trouble. Because I just wanted to fit in. Bad, bad people. I was hanging out with the wrong people and they were in my head. He said, you must carefully examine the credentials of those who wish to enter the place in your mind where your thoughts are formed. Think about that. Like, I didn't check anybody's credentials. If they liked me, we're going to party, right? And and so that really got my attention. And then the second thing, he said, there's three types of association. The first one is disassociation. You got to get rid of people who are toxic. You just got to count them out. You got to move on. Well, what happens if they're family? Well, that'd be called, that's the second type of association, limited association. So I had to tell certain family members, every time we get together, I feel bad about myself. I'm going a different direction and I'll see you at Christmas. But other than that, I pretty much think we should just drop out of contact. If you ever want to jump on this track where I'm heading, then we'll I'll, I'll reconsider. And so I literally had to tell a few people like, no, I'm not talking to you. You know, you make me feel like shit when I talk to you. And I'm just, I don't know what to tell you other than you got to work on you. I got to work on me. And then the third type of association is expanded association, which is pretty simple. 
go find people that have qualities that you want to aspire to grow inside yourself. Take them to lunch. Tell them what you see in them. Ask them for advice. You know, earn their respect. And when they respect you enough and they want to invest time with you, ask them to mentor you. So the reason why we can recognize incredible qualities in other people is because deep down, we know we have them ourselves. That's how we recognize them. So I'm giving you a lot of, a lot of, a lot of insights that, that worked for me. Can't say this works for everybody, but man, most of the people I talk to about this stuff, they get, they start getting busy. Like they, they get their pattern interrupted and I might even listen to an audio book with them, you know, but I get the, the best responses when people start taking charge of their life and, and their mindset. Absolutely. I love all that. It just reminds me of the simple concept of uh, Buddhism where they talk about mental nutriments. And a lot of what you shared there is, is very simple, you know, where you're, you know, if you think about law of attraction, it's like, well, whatever I give my attention, energy and focus to, I get more of. And so start exploring things that are going to improve the quality of your life. Um, you know, who are you keeping in your immediate circle? Um, you know, this is very important with high performing sports teams. And you would know from like a Navy SEAL perspective, it's just like, you know, the, the combat, it's very important, you know, who you're around and if you trust them. So you want to be very cognizant of who you're choosing psycho cybernetics. I've read that book and you're the first, uh, guest that, uh, shared that. So I love that example because it's a, it's a wonderful book and he was, uh, yeah, plastic surgeon, but he just discovered so many people were changing the way that they're body looked when they didn't need to, you know what I mean? There's more like a, a mental, emotional thing and would try to help them and figure out why they would want to change the way they look rather than looking at the inner world, which I think is very beautiful. So I highly recommend that book if people want to check it out. And audiobooks are so key, podcasts, there's all these different ways where we can fill our mind with positive thoughts. And then you also talked about the spiritual journeys and the solo journeys, like a, a vision quest, you know, massive uh, meditation. It's like the desire to change the will to change or the will to know. And that starts with self-awareness and looking at those dark spots, spots in yourself is like, what do I struggle with? Is it rage? Is it anxiety? Is it depression? Is it self-loathing? Is it, uh, you know, the seven deadly sins I did. I remember doing a coaching on that and I thought, oh, this is fascinating. Which ones do I tend towards? Is it gluttony or is it laziness or they call it something else? But, you know, there's these very interesting things that we can view, then reflect, and then we have the power to change them. And then when we start to kind of let go of this heavy baggage, we have more energy, more time, and more will to put towards being the solution. And I believe that's one of the chapters uh, of your book is just talking about, you know, how you can, uh, you have success strategies, finding meaning and purpose, but also, oh, where is it? You'll know, where is it? Be what the world needs. I love that. I love that idea. Can you speak about that chapter a little bit? Yeah, you mentioned Zen Buddhism earlier, and I went through my phase of experimenting and looking into Zen Buddhism. And then I went to an Adyashanti seminar, and he's a really great non-duality teacher, you know, and uh, about 400 people, 500 people in the room. And uh, he goes through his monologue, and then he says, anybody have any questions? I pick up my hand, and hundreds of hands go up. He points right to the audience and points at me, and I'm like, he's like, yeah, you. 
So I stood up and I said what I said earlier. I mean, I want I I want to understand non-duality. Okay, this is all leading up to being what the world needs, but I needed to struggle with this. And he sat there for twenty minutes in front of this group and just took my frustrations on. And at the end of it, he said, "You know what? I have somebody I want to introduce you to. His name is Richard Miller, and he teaches something called integrative restoration, I rest. It's a form of mindfulness." And uh, so I, I got a hold of Richard Miller's office and said, Adi Ashanti referred me, he called me right back. Well, this is, this is years later. Now we're super close, very good friends. And uh, he allowed me to go through his level one teacher training, you know? And um, what I learned what was really helpful is like in Zen Buddhism or certain types of Buddhism, Buddhist practices, it's like, just be silent, be quiet. And if a thought comes along, just imagine it's a cloud and it's just kind of moving along and then just come back to being quiet and empty, you know? But my clouds were turning into storms and hurricanes. Like there's this, like, there's, it just, uh, I couldn't, I, I couldn't hold on to that. But what Richard did is he helped me understand if you have reper- recurring, repetitive, intrusive thoughts, Maybe there's something that they want or that they need and that there's something you can do to satisfy it. So if you give them a presence, you give that recurring, repetitive, intrusive thought a presence and, and, and engage in it in a non-threatening way and ask it what it is that it wants. What does it need? What is it that I can do to satisfy you? And I started noticing that I was able to unburden a bunch of these intrusive thoughts because I was able to reconcile or acknowledge or transcend, you know? And uh, so these little steps gave me more and more of a sense of who who I was being in the world. Cause everything is, it's different. Like you're, you're either the cause in your life or you are the effects of things in your life. And when I came to that realization that I was not at cause. I was at the effects of a lifetime of bad things. And, you know, I was re- misdiagnosed went up with a bunch of different psychological disorders. I was in medication for six years, just really just all kinds of messed up, not, not knowing who I was. And all they kept saying is, well, one of the symptoms is a, is a feeling of normalcy. So you're going to feel normal. Then you're going to want to stop taking your meds. Right. And so after six years of being just medicated and lost, I went back and got a second diagnosis from another guy, another guy who just did this really great battery of objective and subjective assessments. And he says, you know what? I don't see any of that. You need to banish that from your mind. What you have is complex trauma. <laughs> what you have is a lifetime of complex trauma. And I'm going to take you off all these meds, maybe give you some anti-anxiety stuff. But now we're going to do the work. And he said something I'll never forget. He said, when you do enough work on this, you're going to find a place eventually where you you come to understand that you deserve to live a fulfilling life. No matter what you've been through, no matter how traumatic or heartbreaking, this is a great place to imagine. And I'm not asking you to believe me. I'm asking you to believe it's possible. And that worked for me. Like, okay, don't try to talk me anything. I can hold that concept. I can believe it's possible. 
but it's not true for me now. Well, eventually it absolutely came through. And when I held that for long enough, I came to the second realization, which is I deserve to be happy. So when you're talking about your vibe attracts your tribe, I started attracting a lot easier, a lot easier relationships on every level. And I was no longer pushing people away and scaring people. And I've suffered from chronic dissatisfaction. There's no way I, I could really ever be happy in my mind. But after doing all this work, I mean, literally just willing it and being willing to be willing when I'm absolutely unwilling to continue. It may be the biggest point of this relentless pursuit is if it doesn't kill you, you got to keep moving, you know? And so I guess that's a roundabout way of saying that, you know, once you, once you start really resonating at a whole new level and you start transcending a lot of these self-perceptions and these concepts and you start changing the internal dialogue, you know, you start interacting in the world in a way that is so much more ease and people feel that. And I still have the capacity to reach out and choke somebody if I absolutely had to, but I mean, that's just not going to, it's just not in my field of energy. I'm not focusing on that. You know, everybody has that capacity, you know? Um, but I think I'll, I'll end with this part that I heard once really well stated that wisdom is the result of good judgment. And good judgment is the result of experience. And experience is the result of bad judgment. <laughs> so I've kind of focused on that. Like, I take new snapshots of myself on a regular basis because I'm not the guy that I was. And I constantly talk to people about taking new snapshots and watching the words that they, that they use. I'm such an idiot. I always do that. Well, you're always going to do that and be an idiot because you keep saying it just like that. So I'm a little, I'm a stickler on really asking people permission. Can I give you, can I give you some feedback? I don't just walk around criticizing people. <laughs> but my friends that are really in the work with me, like these little things matter. Like your internal dialogue and what you say to yourself. I used to say to myself, man, I'm a fucking idiot. And I would always be one if I didn't change that, you know? And so the more that you do your work, the more you start, you start living in a whole different resonance and all the concerns and all the self-talk and all the negativity and all the critical stuff, it just starts melting away. And then what emerges is who you really are, not what you've been through. Yeah, I, I absolutely love all that. You remind me of these kind of concepts of what I believe a, a, an awakened person may be. And I'm sure there's more, but two that come up time and time again in, in interviews is the idea that we have to be responsible for absolutely everything that is going on in our life. So if we're not taking responsibility for, right, the effect that we're having, right? Maybe we're overweight. Maybe we don't have any money. Maybe whatever the case is, it's like, okay, well, that's where I am now as a result of different things. Um, so if I take responsibility, even if, you know, you had some money and then something bad happened, right? It's like, okay, well, that happened and let's take full responsibility for where I am now, even if it was no fault of your own. And then that's how that response, uh, how you respond to what's happening, that's where your power is. You don't know if it's leading you. Maybe it's the best thing for you, right? Uh, you lost this 
perfect job, but maybe it's this opportunity for something new. You don't know that, but you you can choose how you respond. And I feel like that's so important in creating your life consciously. And then the second thing where I'd love for you to kind of um, touch on is the idea that if we move from, you know, what we can get for ourselves, like what can I get to what can I give? Who am I truly? And this comes to the self-awareness, you know, who you are, what you're passionate about, what your skills are, what you've learned, what you've experienced and what you would enjoy doing and say, you know what, how can I go out and get all this stuff? How can I get this money to get this track or whatever? Or like, who am I? How can I give something back? What do people need? What would I love to give them? How would I, um, you know, how would I enjoy providing these things? And that's one of the things I liked about Burning Man is like this giving philosophy, right? You see how amazing it is to give a gift, to give a per- perfect gift to somebody, you see them light up. It's such a beautiful thing. And sometimes it might just be a compliment. It could be your whole life's work. It could be, you know, with your book. I love giving out copies of the books and athlete, you know, and have people say, oh man, you know, I use this one trick and, you know, now i using it everywhere. It's like, oh, that's a tool that I just passed along, you know, and it's improving their life. It makes me feel good. Or when somebody writes in the podcast or leave a review, I love seeing that because it's like, okay, like the the work is doing something, you know, like it's, it's benefiting people. And that's the whole point. I'm doing it so it can be helpful. And, um, and it's not so I can go get a whole bunch of stuff because, you know, podcasting, especially with the censorship of the last two years, you don't get a lot. But one of the massive things I get, and I'd like to just share this randomly, is like, yeah, I get to talk to people like you. You know, I get to talk to these amazing people and learn and grow exactly how I do it on the phone, basically. And everybody gets to learn along with me for those people um, who they resonate with and enjoy. And so I'm, I'm getting so much um, intangible benefits from doing this as well. So, but I love it. Right. And then it's like the gift for other people. So it's not about, you know, a lot of people, if they ask me about starting a podcast, so I'll, I'll make sure they're in for the right reasons. Right. Oh, but how much will my, how much money will I get? And when do I start monetizing and all this different stuff? It's not the right reason. Right. And so if you know who you are, you're taking responsibility for everything in your life. So then you can respond to those challenging situations. Then you think about, you know, how can I give and how can I serve and what can I give back and put your will and your heart towards that? I feel like you're, you're pretty aligned and you're probably, you know, a small percentage of the population, but I believe that's really what leads to fulfillment and growth. Yeah. Well, you, you've got to look at your, you get to look at your life. This is what you have to work with. You can want it to be different. This is it, you know, and I, I just, uh, especially like, I wasn't always, I'm, I'm definitely just, I, I'm arriving in a new place <clears throat> and I'm constantly kind of re-arriving and realizing how far I've come. And, uh, I've been humbled really, really hard in my life. And so some of these listening or watching this and they're thinking, well, you know, I just got too, too many bad habits. I got too many things that are addictive, you know, I've got, I've got things that are haunting me and waking me up, you know, you got to start where you are. And for me, it was about being of service to others. Like you're talking about, like I got into the personal development field because I wanted to help myself and I wanted to understand myself. So I aligned myself with different authors and subject matter experts to where I could immerse myself in the work. You know, so that was a path to to move me along. And, you know, I think about, like, I, when I say I've been humbled hard, I lost, I lost my only brother and my only son 
to high-speed motorcycle accidents, right? And so that was a, a devastating, devastating part of my journey. And I went from being a service to others to help me grow personally, professionally, you know, transformationally to I was, man, I was the wounded healer, you know, and I, I was devastated for a good year. And that's when I did the vision quest when the, it was on the anniversary of my son's passing, you know, cause I, I figured I want to do something deeply transformational, right. Keep me plugged into that. And, um, so I became the wounded healer after his passing and I, I started adopting men like veterans, not literally, but I mean, I would just show up and I, we were all wounded. We were all damaged. So we could commiserate, we could drink, you know, not a lot of drugs, but a lot of smoking pot, you know, and just really a lot of just like desperate, like needing to connect. Cause I, couldn't save my son, but I, you know, he did two tours in Afghanistan. He comes back and gets killed. And he made it home after all that. And so I, I call it the wounded healer because if I didn't move my pain, you know, I was going to hurt myself or I was, he's going to eat me alive. So, so helping others took on a whole different energy, whole different set of meaning. So I was a wounded healer for about 10 years. Just, just being there for, for traumatized vets and then doing what I say I was going to do. A lot of people don't do that. And um, really giving a shit about the outcomes and then ask nothing in return. Those are four principles my Gladys taught me. We called the law of reciprocity. Show up, do what you say you're going to do, give a shit, and don't ask anything in return. And that was a clean exchange for me because I was mortally wounded and I needed to be in this field. I needed to help others. And now I'm not. Like the plant medicine journeys, the vision quests, and all the experiences, it just kept on relentlessly going in. It was for me, it was soul retrieval. And so what I'm left with is this appreciative confliction. Right. I miss my son, but had he not pass and it cracked me open so completely I wouldn't have become who I am. So there's a there's really a deep level of pre appreciation and it used to be a conflict and now I, I just need to be with it. I'm here. I'm alive. I need to live my life. What can I be doing to helping to help others live a better life? What's my legacy? Well, that's why I wrote this book. It's for my 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 grandkids so they know who their dad was, you know, and uh a little bit about misinformation about our family history. I wanted to set the record straight, but mostly it was about this uh, therapeutic, therapeutic writing project over 30 years. I just write things. And the more work I did, the deeper and more expansive the writing got. The more I was no longer wounded, I was able to look at it. I would look at my wounds outside of myself. And I even wrote it under my grandfather's name so it would never see the light of day. It was like sharing your journals, you know. And uh, and then, are you familiar with Joseph Campbell's work? So the, the, the hero's journey. Yeah. So Joseph Campbell, he wrote a book called The Hero, of, Hero with a Thousand Faces. And 
I, I, I've said this a lot on podcasts, but I'm going to keep saying it. There's a documentary called Finding Joe on Netflix or pretty much anywhere. And uh, I didn't like the title for about a year. Finally looked at it. I was, oh, it's about Joseph Campbell. And it's funded by the Joseph Campbell Foundation. And it's really a great introduction to Joseph Campbell's life, his biography, and his life's work. So I was watching this on my laptop, and they had this beautiful screenshot of the hero's journey, this arc. And I screenshotted it, and I put it in PowerPoint. I created a bunch of text snippets. And I said, well, what, what's the arc of my hero's journey? I started putting in chronological order all my life experiences, and I spent a good few weeks just ruminating on that. And that became my table of contents. So the storyline follows the arc. People don't know what the hero's journey is. It's Joseph Campbell was a historian. He was a writer. He studied all the tribes and cultures of history back to ancient times. And he, de he decoded like the common themes of every major oral history from every culture. And they all had this arc, which he called the hero's journey or the monomyth. And it all covers every major story you've ever heard. If you look at Braveheart, if you look at Star Trek, you know, Luke Skywalker comes home and his family is killed. This magical helper, Obi-Wan Kenobi, picks him up and transports him and tells him he has a special power. He doesn't believe it. He goes and trains with Yoda, learns to believe it, right? And then only he can kill the Death Star. So he goes through all these trials, okay? This is all the arc of the hero's journey. You know, and then he meets up with Leia and, you know, Han Solo and all these characters that are all magical helpers. They kill the Death Star, which is like in the, in the monomyth, they call this slaying the dragon. Well, he slays, he, he you know, he, he defeats Darth Vader, the dragon, right? He kills the Death Star. And then they all come back to their, their kingdom, you know, with the magic elixir. And the magic elixir in reality is who they become. So that's the arc of the hero's journey, and it really depicts it well. So that really helped me turn it from a book of a bunch of journals into a, a therapeutic writing project. And it took me three years to write it, and I was writing it under my grandfather's name because, again, I was terrified. Like, I can't believe that. No, this is never going to get published. And then now it's published. So it's been a journey just to want to be transparent and vulnerable about raw, visceral life experiences. Um, and I was really nervous about the written word, but I, I had it professionally, the audiobook professionally done by a really masterful storyteller. And the instant I heard the end, at the end of that book, I knew it came out exactly the way I wanted it. Everything in the book. I could not have, I just don't want to think about doing it any better. So it's a little bit about my, about my journey, but the lessons along the way, man, and the people that I bumped into, like I just really do a pretty thorough job of explaining those experiences and how it helped me move onward in my trajectory on that arc of the hero's journey. Wow. Well, it's, it's clear that you certainly 
overcame a lot, uh, a lot of trauma that I think not everybody does. A lot of people will deal with those things through drugs and many other harmful things. So the fact that you're on the other side, that you're able to take these very challenging experiences and forge it into something helpful and useful for other people, I think is incredibly beautiful. So I'm just grateful and want to acknowledge you for that. You know, with your studies in self-help, working with uh, Tony Robbins, Jim Rohn, doing all these certifications, right, and and overcoming all these things, what would you share or leave the li- listeners with for like, I guess, uh, a top tool or a philosophy for just, you know, how to guide their life, how to follow their inner compass, how to deal with this adversity? Because I don't think that life is meant to be easy. I don't know a lot of people who have a very easy life. Um, I think they can mold into a more peaceful life and more ease and grace through their perspective and through their mindset. Doesn't mean that they don't have challenges. It means that they have a, a strategic and emboldened or philosophical mindset that allows them to go through these experiences with more ease and more grace and less suffering. And I'd just be curious, your thoughts for people who are, yeah, just trying to get through life. You know, they got kids are trying to, trying to balance it all together and it's hard. And we have all these fears that we're dealing with in the inner world and the outer world and our family. And how can we take what you've learned and, and add it to our just daily life to improve it? It's a weird way to ask a question, but I think you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I do. Well, I, I, my experience is if, if you're excited about something, but you don't understand it, it's not going to stick. If you thoroughly understand it, but you're not excited, it's not going to stick. That's why this is a journey of self-discovery, man, into who you're becoming. And when I tell people just randomly go on the self-help area, but I point people in directions too. Like, I'll just give you a couple of, of nuggets that like, we, we have a meaning-making mind. It's a meaning-making mechanism. And all it does is ruminate and try to think through and problem solve. But like, like Joe Dispenza, what a great, Bruce Lipton is a cellular biologist who talks about epigenetics, like your thoughts, feelings, and emotions. And how does that affect you on a single cellular level? Then Joe Dispenza, he wrote a book called uh, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. He really expands on that whole process of epigenetics. And so for me, that was really shape-shifting because in essence, what Joe Dispenza and Bruce Lipton are saying, our thoughts create our emotions. And the emotions that we experience create the chemical soup that our body generates. And I use this a lot to help combat vets, traumatized people understand that thoughts are things. Because if you walk around triggered and angry all the time, it's generating what? Emotions are what? Anger. Okay, you're thinking about things, you're getting angry. What's happening in your body? Most people understand how bad cortisol is. If they don't, they understand that cortisol is bad. Even if they don't understand what that really means, most people understand that your anger generates a chemical soup that's not conducive to a healthy environment. Well, if that's the case, what what would happen if you changed your thoughts? to create a different emotion. And so in one of my books that I wrote, I I use a combat vet to talk about, hey, when did you first notice that your daughter was staring at you when she was a little one, like after she was born? And he's like, oh man, that was a moment. And I started talking to him about it and he just softened right up. And I said, well, do you see what just happened in a nanosecond? You went from being a pissed off, cynical, typical combat vet to 
wow, that was a moment. And his whole body just lit up. He just, he's just a totally different person and is transformed. Like that's what, that's how this works right there. You already know how to do this. Your body knows how to do this, but you got to get, you got to get over your thinking. So Bruce Lipton, Joe Dispenza, the third one, I think would be Maria Nemeth. She wrote a book called how to, how to master mastering life's energies. That's the name of the book. And she's a dear friend of mine. And I recommend her book, like page 99 to 111. It's a called the four, it's called the four box method. Because I had conclusions that I was carrying around with me, like there must be something wrong with me. And it would cause my mind to gather evidence about, yeah, something's definitely wrong with me. These things happen. My dad did this to me. Bad things happen here and there. Must be must be something wrong with me. So the evidence gathering process only in your mind, it only responds to your request, good or bad, resourceful or unresourceful. Which means after all that evidence, I was showing up and behaving in the world as skittish, kind of standoffish. And if you were raised in a bad area, bullies and predators, they prey on skittish behavior, uncertainty. So they would prey on that, which would reinforce the conclusion that something's wrong with me. When I got this, it changed my trajectory of my life again. Because I noticed that if I shipped the questions I was asking myself, like, what am I supposed to be learning? My brain would, my mind would gather evidence about, well, I went in the military. I know how to take care of myself. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a learner, I'm a lot smarter than I gave myself credit for. My, my, my mind would start gathering evidence to support whatever conclusion I gave it. So as a result, I started showing up as more curious, more confident, more engaging. People started showing up as more receptive and open and curious about me. And it reinforced the conclusion that I'm a learner. Like this may not sound like a big deal, but this changed the trajectory of my life so completely that I can't stop talking about it 20 years later. Like I want to pay it forward. And uh, so these are the really the, I think we need tools. Motivation only lasts so long. Like Joe Rogan, man, I love that guy. He's like, forget motivation. You need, you need a dose of discipline to throw you out every bit, every day to go to the gym as an example. Like if he just relied on motivation, he wouldn't get out of bed. But that sense, that sense of determination is what gets him to the gym, you know? So, so your thoughts create the emotions, which create the chemical soup. So there's a little bit more than that, but I'll just say, are, are these, these are helpful nuggets that somebody could literally, when they listen to your program, they could get on the internet and start diving in like right now, like what's actionable. Your life can transform like that just because of a new distinction. I think you know that. Absolutely. Well, I think you shared a lot of gold right there because uh, transformation, it doesn't need to be complicated, right? I think all the best techniques are not complicated. Even when I go down to martial arts, a jab is not that complicated. You know, fakes are not that complicated, but you know, when you put them into practice, they can become very effective. And it's the same with personal development, you know, a little bit of energy, a little bit of will, and you'll be drawn 
to what you need to change, right? When you go in there and you check out that self-help uh, section for yourself. And I did that for years. Uh, you know, I was, you know, originally maybe some of the listeners don't know, but CDs, you know, I'm traveling with the CDs in the car and going to the library and taking out every CD set that they have. And now thankfully there's so much more information. There's podcasts, audiobooks that are so easy to access these things and then to apply. It's so important that we apply, that we have discipline, but it's like, it starts with that self-awareness, the intention of what we want to do, what we want to learn and grow uh, towards, and then taking the action. And everything you just shared in that last five minutes is so powerful. And it just changes the frame of how you live your life. It is night and day. It is a huge switch on how you perceive the world, what happens to you and what's possible for you, you know, by how you're affecting the meaning of it, you know, and how you use it. So I appreciate that. And and this entire show, man, I, I think it's been amazing. And I'd like to ask, is there anything that we didn't cover? Is there anything that you'd love to uh, leave the listeners with or discuss before we close this show? Well, I just showed up to our conversation with an open mind. And um, I think you've been really good about just letting me go on some tangents. You know, uh, I, I appreciate that. But this is really, this is my life's work, man. And it's, 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 it's making a difference. And the reviews that are coming back from all kinds of great people are really, uh, yeah, it, it, it's amazing. So uh, if you're an audiobook person, I mean, pick it up. If you want to know more about the book, go to harvestingwisdom.com. Like that's my personal website, harvestingwisdom.com. And you can see uh, my, my, my book that just came out March 23rd of 23, you know, Be the Dawn of the Darkness. There's also a book that I wrote years ago, five years ago, called Transitioning Veterans, How We Get in Our Own Way and What to Do About It. And it's all about how the critical mind hijacks us. And uh, it's a pretty entertaining little listen if you like audiobooks. But that'd be my request. Just go check it out. What I've done is I've, I've taken, I've given a gift to the universe, which is basically, if you go to harvestingwisdom.com, you can download the first seven chapters on me. And so you're not obligated to do anything, but when you get into it, I think you're going to want to learn more. And the first four chapters of the audiobook. So it's really not asking for people, don't opt in and double opt into my mailing list. Don't give me, I'm not looking for anything from anyone. Like I want to share this work in the world and that's good enough. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you. I appreciate uh, everything you're doing and everything that you're intending to share with everybody. Um, I invite people to check out your website in the book, harvestingwisdom.com. And just thank you for your time. Thanks for coming on the show. And uh, yeah, this was a great one. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks, everybody, for watching. See you in the next one. Peace. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, the absolutely incredible John Henry Parker. I hope that you enjoyed that show. And if you did, you'll consider sharing it far and wide. Head over to the membership if you want to get access to exclusive content and training from myself and past guests, which you can access for free or by donation. And if you're interested in working with me, just reach out matt at zenathlete.com. I'd love to hear from you, see how I can support you, your group, or your organization. And I think that's it. I just appreciate you guys for being here thank you for your time and attention and uh, let's come into a state of peace and coherence before we close this show wherever you are in the world just stop what you're doing take in a deep breath in through your nose hold that breath 
and let it out slowly, filling every cell, muscle, and fiber of your being with joy, peace, contentment, enthusiasm, power, faith, courage, optimism, and get ready to enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode.